If you like our podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate, and, and review. review. Yes, and share it with your friends, please. Thanks for listening. Hi, guys. Hi guys. Welcome back to Super Chat with Kat and Nikia. Oh, this next guest is just, she is phenomenal. Um, she is an actress, a host, a coach, and a motivational speaker. And so young. Yeah. So young to fill all of those uh, roles. Yeah. And <laughs> has such wisdom. She has such wisdom to share. Yeah. Um, so her name is Rachel Smith, and we are so honored to have her with us today. So without further ado, welcome, Rachel. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, we are so excited to have you. And um, I met you, I after I met you on now, uh, we did a little live on uh, Jason Frank's uh, Legend of the White Dragon yes. project page. And mm -hmm. I, I was not expecting, I mean, I knew you were going to be adorable, but I wasn't expecting our conversation to be so inspiring and heartfelt. And I instantly felt this sisterly connection with you. And I said, yes. we've got to interview her, Kia. We've got to interview her. She's got so much to share. So yeah. thank I, you. I, I got a chance to tune in and listen to the two of you guys talk. It was really, really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, I felt that same thing. It's always like that hope where you're like, you never know, you know, especially when you meet other cast members or interviewers, the hope is, right. I just hope that we can have this like deeper connection because I think that's what we're all looking for is that deeper connection. Yes, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, just to give our audience a little bit of a taste of who you are, why don't you share a little bit about your journey um, and who you are? Yeah. Well, it's pretty, um, I still look back at my journey and I'm like, how the heck did I do that? <laughs> um, and so I grew up a really competitive gymnast. Um, I grew up in a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of insecurity, constantly worrying about, you know, not being good enough or not being the best or getting hurt or getting yelled at because it was super competitive from a really young age. And I think I, as I told you on the interview, I learned the power of my mind in a negative way. You know, I learned how powerful my mind was to manifest kind of um, not so great things. You know, everything from I was regular, I was pretty much sick half the school year. Like I would, I, the stress of going to school and gymnastics was so hard for me that I would kind of consciously and unconsciously make myself sick. So I didn't have to go. Mm -hmm. And so getting kind of people from the ages of like eight to 14, that was my life, you know, and. Every Tuesday before I went to gymnastic practice, I had a coach named Mike Payne to this day. So like, it's crazy. Um, but I was so scared of going to practice with him and just the experience of what it was like to be a very competitive gymnast at such a young age. I would throw up before practice every Tuesday. And it was like almost like a cry for help, you know, um, of like, I just like, oh, I need to, I want to be able to. I can't do this anymore, but I'm too scared to get out of it. You know, like I'm too scared to say that I, I quit because that was like the worst, but I'm too scared to go. So I'll just make myself sick and maybe, and therefore maybe I won't have to go. And anyways, it was, it was hard. Um, it was really hard. And ultimately I ended up shattering my hand. Um, and I was relieved. I was like winning the competition. I threw a back handspring on the beam and I, my whole body weight came down on my hand and just shattered my hand. And um, it was so bad that my coach, in fact, <laughs> I got the beam when I was like crying. I was like, uh, and my coach was like, Rachel, get back up on the beam, 
finish your team. Your team needs you. And I was just like, okay, you know, and I tried to do a cartwheel and I just like fall on my head because I had no bones, you know, like I have six pins in my hand. After I shattered my hand, um, I just, you know, the thought of going back to practice after it started healing again was just so much for me. But it was also so hard to tell my mom and my friends and everybody that I couldn't do this anymore. And when I finally got up the courage to do that, it was just pretty traumatic because my mom, who was like my best friend, trying to do the best she knew how to do to be a mom, to teach me resilience, just didn't take it very well. My friends didn't take it well. I didn't know who I was. I lost everything that I thought about why I was here. You know, like my dream, my passion, my purpose, my identity, which is really powerful when you go from any state of being of like thinking that you're something. And then all of a sudden that gets like shattered. Um, and so I just cried in my room for a while and <laughs> didn't know what to do. And I felt really lost and confused and alone. And then I saw this movie that just changed my life. And it was the movie called Center Stage. And I just had this experience sitting in the theater being this 14-year-old girl who just went through this really pretty traumatic experience from feeling like lost and confused and afraid and alone to feeling so lit up with this dream of like, that's what I want to do. I want to be like those girls on the screen that went through though their hero's journey of doing something that they thought was impossible. You know, when they got told they weren't good enough, that they weren't pretty enough, that they weren't smart enough, that they weren't thin enough, but somehow made their dreams happen in a way that was greater than they ever thought possible. And I would just sit in the theater and I was just like, that's what I do. And I was the last one like that. My family had to come pull me out of the theater because I didn't want to leave because I felt just, I started visualizing myself doing that right then and there, you know, like, and I was just crying and praying and to this day, movie theaters are like my favorite place because they're like just, they represent so much magic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, because I don't want to take the whole thing on this, but a roller coaster ride of ups and downs and being on the journey of getting into acting and dancing and, and finally feeling what it was like to just love my life. And no matter how hard it was, like I just loved it. Like I had a whole different relationship with myself and my life when I found kind of my real purpose or my real passion of like acting and dancing and and filmmaking and storytelling and performing. And I was like, you couldn't get me to stop, you know, like even if I was scared or if it was challenging, like you just couldn't get me to stop. And, you know, kind of a really crazy story of this roller coaster ride of ups and downs and things that I thought were the worst things that ever happened to me ended up being the best things that ever happened to me, where I actually ended up playing the lead role in the sequel to the film that changed my life as a little girl. Mm. And that was my first movie. Like literally my first film was to star in the film, the sequel to the film that changed my life as a little girl. And if that's not a story of our ability to manifest really incredible things in our life, I just don't know what it is. But there's so much to unpack on the journey because that, you know, telling it in a way where, you know, there were so many nights when I cried myself to sleep when I moved to L.A. when I was 18. I didn't know what I was doing. I was terrified. My father was not happy with me because he's a doctor and he's like, what are you doing going to LA when you're 18? Go to college, do the, do the, the regular path, you know, all the, all the things, you know? Um, but this, this, my passion is to really help people learn how to be the hero of their own life story. And so much of that goes back to just being brave every day. You know, like when I look back on my story, you know, things were flying my face. They weren't going the way that I thought they would. People were mad at me. I was terrified, but I just kept trying to be brave. And that turned out into really, you know, pretty incredible things. Mm. 
I want to I want to go back real quick because you you were talking about your life as a gymnast, mm-hmm. and this 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 is for those listeners that feel like they are trapped in something that they do not want to be a part of, and they're fulfilling someone else's dream. Yes. When mm-hmm. you started being a gymnast, did you mm-hmm. enjoy it? And then at at some point, it became. Uh, a sense of why am I doing this? Or did you never enjoy it? And you started it because Mm -hmm. your mother or your father or someone encouraged you to start doing it? Yeah, it's a great question. I love that question. Um, So when I started doing it, I was like, you know, six. And so like, and I loved it. I thought it was so fun. And it wasn't competitive. You know, it was just like you got to I got to go with other, you know, kids and flip around and play on the trampolines. And it was really fun, you know, and I loved it. And so it kind of, it put a sense of like, oh, this is what my life is. Like, this is what I do. And I didn't know anything else. And to your point, you know, I think sometimes we start doing things and we're like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. Whether it's, you know, acting or going to law school or going to med school. And it seems like this really great thing. But then when you really get into it and you understand what it is to actually have that as a profession, a whole different ballgame, you know, doing something for fun versus doing it as a career or like a lifestyle, whole different thing. And, you know, I think sometimes quitting gets a really bad rap, right? We put like, oh, if you quit, you're weak. Or if you quit, you're not strong enough. And I think that's a bunch of BS. I think, I think you are the strong and super brave if you quit the things that aren't aligned with your life vision, you know, with your happiness, with your bliss. I think it takes so much courage to quit something or to stop something because sometimes, like you said, you could be so afraid of what your mom or your family or your friends or your lover (laughs) might think of you. But ultimately it's that, that hero's journey of like really understanding that like, if I'm not happy with my life, then what am I doing? You know, like literally what am I doing? I have this one life, this one body, this one experience, at least for what we know, you know, like who knows what happens next. But like, all we know is that we have right now. And if I'm living my life for someone else, then my life is not even my own. And that's something to really question. What gave you the zeal, the oomph to finally, Mm. was it just this? Because I know that you saw the movie and we all get inspired by movies. And I, I, so there with you, I'll be in a movie theater. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go start this. And it, it was the movie that inspired me. But yes. what was it? Was it the movie or was the mm-hmm. movie was was the movie was uh, that's not the right question. Was the movie the catalyst that made that pushed you into saying to your your mom and your dad, I'm done. Did that give you the extra yeah. that you needed to say I'm done? Actually, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So it actually happened before. I think the 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 final like, OK, I got to do this was, you know, I had. Like I said, I had shattered my hand. I had had surgery. And so I would go to practice every day, but I would just go to condition, right? So I couldn't do anything. I couldn't actually train or compete. And I loved it. It was like the craziest thing of like, I loved having a broken hand because it allowed me to just be there with my friends and, and do this, you know, and train and condition, which I love. Um, but I didn't have any pressure. Mm-hmm. And but then all after like six months of that experience of feeling what it, my life felt like without having all of that, like, um, pressure, the thought of going back, like just every part of my being, just like, I could not do it. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it was because I had that experience of what it felt like to not live under so much that stress or that pressure, that life. So it's almost like a taste of what my life could feel like without it. And and the pain of thinking of going back again, you know, because it was just about the time my hand was healing. I was supposed to start practicing and really competing again. And that was the time when I like I'll never forget being in my kitchen, you know, my the kitchen, the house I grew up in, like telling my mom and how terrified I was and how hard it was, you know, for me to tell her and for her to basically say, you know, like, I, I just don't like you right now. I don't want to be around you for a while. And my mom is the best, you guys. Like, my mom is the best. We have the best relationship now. But during that time, it was, oh, it was so hard because she was my everything. You know, like, she would take me out to to lunch every day at school because I couldn't handle even being away from her that long because she was like my safety zone, my comfort. And so when I say like, I had to um, get up the courage to tell her that, you know, because on some level, like I was everything she knew as well. It was a part of her life. That's what she did. She went to my gymnastics practice. She went to my meets. They spent so much time, energy, money on me. And so I think as parents, you know, my mom to this day has said, you know, we've had so many conversations around this. And she was like, Rach, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I just thought that you loved it, but you didn't, you know? And I just thought that I was teaching you resilience and courage, which she was like, she really was on a big level because I know that the things that I learned through being a gymnast are so much of the reason why I've had such success as an actress from a young age, like hands down, wouldn't be able to have the resilience, the drive and the mindset um, or the skill sets, you know, so many jobs I booked were because I could flip and I could trick. <laughs> and if I didn't have that, I wouldn't, you know, like so many of my life experiences, I wouldn't have been able to do. So I am, I am so grateful for those experiences that taught me so much. And I think we look back on our life, you know, whether it's things with our family, our friends, our parents, I think it's just having deep compassion for like, we just don't know what we don't know. And Nobody gives us an instruction manual. Nobody says, here, moms, here, dads, like, here's exactly how to raise your child <laughs> because everybody's so different. And, you know, like a lot of the things that my mother and I have talked about, you know, she's like, I'm so grateful you can forgive my mom faults, you know, when I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I was like, are you kidding me, mom? Like, I'm so freaking grateful because even though it was so hard during that time, it taught me invaluable lessons. Yeah. I think that's a fine line as a parent, isn't it? It's just like, you know, you sign your child up for a sport and you say to them, you know, you're going to give this your best shot and we'll give it a year mm -hmm. and we'll see if you still like it. And when your child's really good at something, um, you want to encourage that. But children yes. also really want to please their parents. So it's a fine line of perseverance versus, you know, pushing them into things that they're not comfortable doing and I've had many of my friends whose children have been gymnasts who have had that same experience of like my one friend's son had he had some tics he was very anxious but he didn't know how to let it go because it was his life all his friends mm -hmm. were there his mom he knew would drive him every day and that was his life for four hours a day every day um, and it's hard to let those things go so you're very brave to have had the courage to, to do that and to, to recognize at such a young age that that was not healthy for you anymore. But um, yeah. I wanted to actually ask you, because I was a dancer also at, um, for many years, but dancing is also can be a very competitive 
a lot of pressure as well. So as a competitive gymnast, how was it going from a competitive sport transitioning to dance, which can be equally as competitive? How did you feel? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great question. Again, I think when we are doing the things, I really do feel like we each have these, um, something that lights our soul up, that really brings us joy, that really brings us bliss, that really, um, that no matter what the challenges are, <laughs> it's like your love for it exceeds that. And so when I started dancing, you know, it's so interesting. I thought I was so good. Like I really did, but I wasn't. Like I was so stiff because I was a gymnast, you know, like I literally... I, I, if you could see me on camera, I was like trying to do this. And they're like, Rachel, like you have to move your body. You have to learn how to like flow. Like you're too stiff. And I would be like, but I'm, I'm, I'm moving, you know? (laughs) So like, anyways, it was, it was so hard, but I had this almost after I saw the movie, it was like this deep instinctual passion inside me of like, I don't care how hard I have to work. Like I want to be good at this so bad. And the hard work brought me so much joy. Like I would spend, you know, five hours a day at dance practice. And then I would go in a dark room by myself afterwards and just turn on music and just dance my face off for until they kicked me out. Like I I literally got the rat award at my studio because I wouldn't leave. (laughs) So, you know, and it took a long time. Like it was, it was not like all of a sudden dance was just easy for me. It was I got put in the back all the time. I got put in the lowest like dance company, which was like a huge shot to my ego. Cause I was like, oh, they're going to put me in the front and I'm going to be in the, the top one, you know? And I wasn't, and it was a lot of getting told no and not getting the the spots that I wanted or the, the routines that I thought that I should. Um, even to this day, I think so much of honestly what drove me, especially in the beginning was proving my dance coaches wrong, right? Because a lot of the, I just never got, um, you know, if you have been a dancer, you know, that world, it's like you get put in the front or you get put in the back or you get put in special numbers at the competition or you don't, or you, you win the scholarship or you don't all those kind of things. And I would just always kind of until it was like all through high school. So like from my, so like four years of like getting put in the back or like not getting paid attention to, they would only bring me up to flip and then they'd like throw me in the back. (laughs) And um, And But it wasn't until like my senior year that finally I started like getting some really great roles and really great opportunities. Um, And so many of the girls that just I admired and looked up to and envied, honestly, um, it's just so interesting because like they didn't appreciate it at all. Like I would look at them and I would be like, gosh, you're so good. And they just didn't really care about it. But like I cared so much. And I was one of the only ones from my studio to actually move to LA and really do an actual like lifelong career with um, dance. And so, I don't know, it was just a really interesting thing of sometimes I think it is the things that we have to work so much harder at that we have a deeper appreciation from. Like if things are just easy for us, I do think it's a little bit more challenging to really appreciate what we have. Yes, that is so true. So agree. And it also gives us a testimony. Yeah. If things are handed to you, don't really have a testimony where people can identify with, Mm -hmm. you know, because most people go through challenges. Most people have obstacles that they have to overcome. And so it's very inspiring. I think when you have a testimony, there is no way we can bypass the fact that God had you sit inside this movie theater (laughs) and see center stage. And then they have a sequel 
And you're the star. And you're the star. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how, how affirming, how life affirming was that moment for you when you got the call yeah. that this mm. movie that changed your life, you are now the star in this movie? Uh, uh, I just like, it still to this day just makes me emotional, you know, because I never imagined in a million years as that 14 year old little girl sitting in that theater feeling so scared and afraid that I would ever get to actually do that, you know? And to me, I feel like so much of what's taught in goal setting is so flawed, you know, because a lot of people that teach goal setting, they're like, have a specific date, have a timeline, know exactly your steps you're going to take. And I didn't know any of that shit, you know, like I just didn't. And all I knew was I had an essence. I had a vision of what I wanted my life to look like, but I had no idea how the heck I was going to do it. I just kept trying to be brave. I just kept like, yeah, just, just going and moving forward. And, and you know, if I got knocked down, I got back up, you know, there wasn't this like exact how of how I was going to do it. Um, but I had vision boards of center stage. I wrote down goal lists of center stage. I, the same time I saw that movie, I, I was 14 years old. I didn't even like reading. And I came across this book called as a man thinketh. That was like my first book into the concept of like, Oh, your thoughts matter. You know, it affects what you think affects the way you feel how you feel affects the way you respond to life, how you show up, like how people experience you and the opportunities that you will have in life. And I was just like, what? Like, this is so cool. Like, how come nobody told me this when I was five years old? Because it would have been really helpful because I was doing the same thing, right? Of, of all my thoughts were leading to illness or sickness or a shattered hand, you know? I was like, and, and so learning how to use my mind in kind of a negative way, it was so, all I needed to do was just shift the energy, like, right? Because I kept thinking about very stressful, anxious, fearful thoughts. And so when I could just understand, huh, if I'm able to do this, you know, if I'm able to manifest, manifest a broken hand, right? What could I manifest on the other end if I just shifted the energy and shifted my focus? And I mean, I was that little girl that was my friends are like, wait, let's go to this party. I'm like, no, no, no I got to go to this self-development conference. You know, they're talking about mindset and resilience and, you know, all this stuff. Like, my friends would make fun of me like crazy. But I was just like, I think it was out of necessity because I, I had such an experience of so much fear and anxiety and insecurity within me that when I started learning about this stuff, I just started experiencing life on a whole new level. And so I was like, I wanted to tell everybody about it. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, when people are like, oh, wow, like that just that's so crazy. That just happened to you. And I was like, no, 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 no. That didn't just happen to me. Like I watched center stage all the time when I felt homesick and lonely when I moved to L.A. And I would, you know, cry myself to sleep and I didn't know what I was doing to remind me of why I was working so hard. But I never in a million thought years thought that I could actually, you know, be in the sequel to it. And I got turned down by so many acting agents. They're like, you're not ready you haven't done anything yet, you know, come back when you have a reel. And I'm like, well, how do I have a reel? I don't have an agent, you know, like that right. whole thing. And I was so discouraged, but whenever I got discouraged, I learned this habit, this pattern of whenever I feel discouraged or sad or depressed or confused or lonely, I would just put on music that inspired me and I would just dance my face off. And it just always helps me feel a little better. It always helped me get this like courage or, and it also helped me kind of just like dance out the the bullshit if you will yeah. and and so after getting turned down by so many agents I went back to the same 
dance studio that I went to for the whole first year that I was at in LA. And I saw this sign on the wall that said, you know, auditions for the lead girl in center stage two. And my heart dropped, you know, it was just like, that's, that's my movie, you know, but I almost didn't go. Like I literally talked myself out of going because I was scared because I just got told over and over and over again that I wasn't a good actress or I wasn't ready. And I wasn't going to go. I literally like told myself, no, I'm not ready. Like, and I, and I went home and I wasn't going to go to the audition. And then I had that dramatic moment in the mirror with myself. And I swear it was like, you know, for me, it was God just being like, you have to go. And I just felt that that feeling pulled me out of my bathroom <laughs> and last minute got to the audition. And I had a, a three month process of audition after audition after audition. I went in six different times for that role. And it was, I mean, I didn't sleep or probably eat for like those three months because I was so nervous that whole time. Um, and then when I finally did get it, I got a call from an agent that had turned me down three months ago before the audition process saying, <laughs> Rachel, Sony Pictures wants to book you as the lead in Center Stage 2. And I just almost got in a car accident because I was driving and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? That's um, so, yeah, there's so much to that story. But it's, you know, it's again, it's just like, I don't think you need a specific timeline or a to know the steps of how to do something. I think you just need a very visceral experience and an essence and like a vision of what you want your life to look like. And then let go of the how, like literally let go of how you think it's going to happen because it will not go the way you think it's going to happen. It might even go way better than you think it will ever happen, but you have to let go and, you know, in some way, shape or form, trust the process. Yeah. Trust. Right, Kia? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, there is so much to unpack here. We can't fit it all in this episode. Mm -hmm. So, guys, yeah. let's just do a part two. Yes. We want more Rachel. Yes, we do. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys, to part two.